I know I'm fine, but the money makes me handsomer. Walk around smelling like a come up in the answer for her problems, but I'm not him. I don't mind it though. You don't like me how you think. Yo, what's up, everybody? It's time for the Off the Bench podcast. I am Daniel Ball, and I'm joined as always by my co host, my partner in crime, my brother from another mother, Jim Cross. And Jim, tonight is episode two titled Same Tiger, New Stripes, because tonight we got our boy coming back. But he's on another team. It ain't the Memphis Tigers. It's the Auburn Tigers. Morris Joseph Jr. is joining us, man. But before Morris joins us, Jim, I got to ask. Got some big things lined up. Got a a big season of guests. Man, tell us a little bit about the guests that are on deck. Something, you know, a little tease, so to speak. Well, the tease is, you know, we've been doing a lot of baseball. We're obviously doing a little football right now. The tease is we got baseball. We got football, we got soccer, we got gymnastics, we got basketball, we got a little bit of everything, Daniel. We got some college, we got some pro. You don't know what's coming. Man, it's going to be sweet, dude. The the future is bright for the podcast, and I can't wait. Got a lot of good guests to join us, man. But speaking of good guests, man, we got to get to the biggest interview in podcasting this week. Our man, Auburn football star Morris Joseph Jr. All right, Morris, welcome to the show. How are we doing tonight? I'm doing pretty good. Blessed. How about yourself? Man, we're blessed ourselves to have you back on the show. You know, we're going to talk about you. Uh, you're a tiger still, but you got new stripes. But before we get into all that, man, last time I saw you, man, I was at a Memphis soccer game. You had your dogs with you. You know, <laughs> you had to make a transition and move, you know, to Auburn. How have the dogs done? You know, we're dog people. We want to know how they transitioned. Oh, man. Well, actually, uh, my uh, girl dog, she passed away, sadly. And uh, my boy dog, he with me right here. Uh, <laughs> he always right by me. He was, he's so happy to be right by my foot. Look, Daniel, you see you see the size of that dog, and you saw Morris next to me. Made, made me look like a child. And then this man's walking around and got this small dog. It didn't even make sense. Hey, that's, that's his style, man. You know, but what's funny is Morris. I told you in real time. You said uh, I had a, I have to pick up my dogs and then I'll meet you. And I thought you meant your boys. Like, and then he rolled up. Sure enough, like two dogs. I was like, okay, he meant real dogs. Okay, I feel you. <laughs> yeah, they they go wherever I go. It's a it's a con- conversation starter, right, Morris? No doubt. All right. Well, I got one more thing I want to ask because last time we had you on, we didn't ask this, and we've been finding out athletes like what's their go to sports movie for you. What's what's your favorite sports movie, man? If you just gonna sit down and watch one, what is it? Um, my my go to usually be be highlights. I really like to watch highlights mostly, but if I really watch a uh, football movie, well, really a sport movie that get me going in general, I would definitely say like Love and Basketball. That's that's pretty funny because that was one I grew up watching. It's not really as motivational, but like it's just. I don't know. It's just a cool uh, sports movie. He would pick that one, Daniel, when Randy's not here, because Randy in our sports movie draft drafted Love and Basketball early off the board. Okay. <laughs> he 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 was big on that one. He uh he thought he was getting a steal. I mean, I like that movie, but it, it ain't going in the first round. I can tell you that. <laughs> yeah, it's not it's not that motivational, but 
Like, I just like watching family movies and stuff like that. So that's one of them kind of, it was kind of cool. Yeah, man. So let's, let's talk kind of cool, man. Cause it, it was, it was kind of cool for a couple of years, man. You know, watching number 10 roll around that field, but. I want I want you to hear a clip, and I, I'm going to follow it up with something before we, you know, jump right into football. No doubt. Holding the Cougars to six so far, and they're going to end the half with a sack. Morris Joseph, seventh sack of the season. I mean, that's you last year. You have 38 tackles, 20 of them solo, four and a half tackles for loss, a bunch of sacks, man. You know, Coach Fizz will summarize it for you. Take that for data. Man, I, I got to ask, obviously you had limited snaps against Nickel State, you know, to open the season. You know, Jim and I watched you on the sideline like a vocal leader when you couldn't play. You know, I, I got to ask, when you started the season, you weren't 100%, right? Uh, no doubt. So, so with that, you know, are you, are you just trying to make a push and see what happens or did you inevitably know, like, you're going to have to miss, miss a little bit of time? Um, I honestly, I came in, you know, coming into the season, I was actually healthy. Um, it was actually on the first play of that game that I, uh, I, uh, rolled my ankle. So I had a high ankle sprain and yeah, that was a struggle to come back, to come back from. The healing process, everything, it was long, you know. And, of course, I was trying to rush it. I was trying to get back out there as soon as possible. And, uh, yeah. Dude, you had me fooled, Mississippi State game. I swore that you you were playing. Like, Yeah. Uh, they actually told me I had, a, I had a chance to get in. I was emergency only. And What, what yeah, does that mean? Was, what does that mean to you when Coach goes, you know what, Morris, you're emergency only. Do you go, ha, yeah, right. I, I'm playing this game. I figured we was playing Mississippi State. Uh, I just figured I was going to find a way out there. Uh, I was in my coach ear the whole time uh, trying to fight to get on the field. And um, I appreciate him, though, because uh, Pope, he really just was uh, more concerned about me in the long run, and he just didn't want me to get out there and make, and make matters worse and hurt myself any worse. See, Daniel, what Morris needed to tell his coach was Will Rogers had came on in off the bench to talk about how he was going to destroy Memphis. So Morris had something personal to take care of. Morris, I told that dude straight up. It ain't going to be as easy as you think. It ain't. Man, that's, that's crazy. Um, We don't get too many of those games, you know. At Memphis, you know, I'm a proud alum of there. Like, that's I'm, I'm forever a Memphis Tiger. Uh, I'm grateful for my time there. But uh, whenever we get those type of games, you know, we feel like we have a point to prove. And for me to miss that game, uh, yeah, that ate at me big time. Especially pregame, you have the guys, they talking to me, or everybody saying, number 10 this, number 10 that, okay. <laughs> well, well on, on top of that, man, like, not only, like, you know that you're going to be limited emergency, you know, at best, according to coach, but, like, it's a big game. You want to go out there and play. You want to prove yourself, but, like, you know, where Jim and I saw you really like surprise us was, you know, the emotional support, the vocal leader that you give on the sidelines. Cause you're that guy, dude, like you're the mouthpiece, you're out there hyping folks up. How hard is it to be the emotional, you know, and verbal leader um, when you're really disappointed at the fact that, you know, you may not get a chance to play. Um. It's really not that hard. It actually comes natural, you know. 
I'm really passionate about the game and I love it. And um, those guys, you know, we put a lot of blood, sweat and tears into it. And uh, and we know that we have each other's back. So uh, I just wanted to I just wanted us to win by any means necessary. And the fact that they was able to get that done without me, uh, it made me even more excited. I could sit back and, you know, get healthy, you know. So you had a chance then, you know, obviously from episode one, we got the backstory. We talked about, you know, your, your, where you're from and, and how UTSA was the team that kind of like, you know, that, that was kind of your first home, but then now you end up at Memphis and then here you are getting a chance to play, play those guys. Um, how hyped were you for that game? Oh man. Um, I was actually pretty excited. Um, especially with that, that was going to be my first week back. You know, that was really my first game of the year. I got hurt the first game of the nip, the first play of the Nichols game. So, uh, I was really excited to see a lot of uh, my old friends, you know, uh, like some of those guys are still like my brother. So I was really excited for that. And, uh, I just didn't see us losing to them guys. <laughs> they <laughs> they hey, weren't your friends on the field, were they? Only, only no off the field, right? No doubt, no doubt. I told them, hey, man, we could be friends after the game, you know. But uh, I just didn't expect – I wasn't prepared for me to be the one uh, having to embrace them after us losing. I thought it was going to be, you know, me taking a picture with them with some long faces. But, yeah, it turned out different. Yeah, I mean, you, had, you, you did play well. You had six tackles, two for loss. Um, obviously, you – like you mentioned, came up a little bit short. But, you know, how do you feel after the game knowing you did everything you could, but unfortunately you came up short? Is it kind of none of the personal things matter when there's a a, a, a loss on the board? Uh, yeah, no doubt. I'm my worst critic, and uh, we played a game of football to win, so uh, my individual stats really don't matter at the end of the game. Although, you know, I do appreciate the fact that I can look back and say, okay, you put in this work, you know, and uh, it pays off and you can see it, but none of that matters when you lose, you know. Absolutely. Um, you know, obviously Memphis is, is – you have to go to Memphis to understand the fan base of Memphis. They will, will, will love you to death, but they can also be some of the, the most cantankerous people on the planet Earth. But, you know – Obviously, six and six, not not how you guys wanted to end the season. No but, doubt. You know, obviously, there were some highs, there were some lows, but, you know, talk to me about that season. What was your favorite game, um, and what was your favorite moment of last season? Um, My favorite moment was honestly just, you know, just being out there uh, with my brothers, you know, because uh, some of those guys, like, uh, we have – so many relationships built. Uh, some of those guys I know I could call with my life on the line. Uh, just just the amount of time that we spent together. Some of those relationships, you know, even with some with uh, majority of the coaches, you know, that'll last for a lifetime beyond the game. So I'm definitely mostly grateful that for that, and I'm really just grateful for the time spent. You know, I love the game of football, but uh, just the relationships I was able to build there. You know, like uh, Memphis always be like a second home to me. So like. That's that's just a, a very special place to me for sure. Uh, I still talk to my teammates all the time. You know, we still in all the group chats. So, yeah. Well, speaking of your relationships and your brothers and teammates, you know, you hooked us up with Thomas Pickens, and I tell you what, Morris, first game I went to, you know, we had pick had six. 
Yeah. Pick six. But it, it wasn't the picks that the first game I went to. That man had to have had they, – they only marked him for, like, nine tackles. I swear he had 19, Daniel. Like, I was like – Because I was watching him like a hawk, dude. And I was like, man, Morris brought us the right dude because T-Pick was everywhere. Yeah, man, that's my guy for sure. So, Morris, man, obviously, you know, we, we talked about your, your favorite, you know, moment, favorite game. What was the least favorite game? What was the game that you look back on and you're like, man, I wish I could just go back in time and change that, do something different, or just completely erase that from the record books? Every game that we lost, honestly. <laughs> That's what Seth, Seth Hennigan said, too. Yeah, he's – So – Like, seriously. Yeah, I mean – you know, in the league that that you know Memphis plays in, uh, every every game matters. You know, and and it's not so much that every game matters to win conference. It does, but every game went matters because in the grand scheme of things, where people perceive you, where you rank, where you stack up, recruits, trying to like work your way into bigger conferences, you got to win. So no doubt. Um, you know, I know it's difficult. It's, it's hard. Winning, winning is hard. Um, you know, six and six isn't something to, to look down upon. I mean, there were a lot of things that you could look back on last season and go, man, like we're lucky that we were six and six. But, you know, as when Seth Hennigan was on, he also mentioned, you know, there was, you know, four or five games where you guys were right there and had one or two things gone differently. I mean, you could have been looking at, you know, eight or nine, maybe 10 wins. Yeah, and he's absolutely right. Yeah, like really only UCF, like he, he brought up, was the only game that wasn't close and could have broke the other way. Every other game, I mean, easily could have been different. No doubt. So, Morris, I got to tell you, it, you know, I I love you and I appreciate your time at Memphis, man. It, it does break my heart that you're leaving. Um, you know, but I, I did some research, man. Like, obviously, you're you're now committed to Auburn. But were you not originally committed to Georgia Tech? Yeah, I, I was originally committed to Georgia Tech whenever I uh, in, in, entered into the portal. All right, so, you know, what happens, you know, over the time that you commit to Georgia Tech and then you go, all right, no, it's not Georgia Tech, it's now Auburn? Um, it actually was a lot. Uh, the whole process behind the scenes, you know, was pretty long and lengthy. Um, I actually committed early. I just wanted to uh, – make a quick decision and not make it um, make a quick business decision and not drag it out and get into all the recruiting tactics again. So, uh, but as I entered the portal, my phone was, was buzzing. Like, you know, how to, how the portal go. And uh, those first couple of weeks, I really was just evaluating everything. Uh, really, really trying to uh, make sure I make the best decision for me. And uh, really just talking with my coaches at Memphis still, uh, and really just went out all of my options, honestly. What was the – obviously, you, you said, you know, your, your phone's buzzing, but the reality is, is you know, if, if there's 20 schools that are contacting you, obviously you probably have your sights realistically set on, on a handful maybe. Like, what, yeah. were the, what were the schools that were, you know, weighing on you the hardest before you had to make this decision? Well, um, the conversation that I had with my family, uh, I knew that it was going to have to be a, a, a relationship-based decision with me uh, making a decision like this uh, for my last year of eligibility. 
So uh, that's actually how I end up really high on Georgia Tech. Um, I like I like all the coaches there. Um, I like the direction that they're taking the program and all of that as well. Um, and Coach Turner, he happens to be the D-line coach there. So uh, with me having a formal relationship with him and knowing knowing the product of guys that he put out, uh, that's why I was big on actually considering uh, Georgia Tech at first. But then it just got to the point where I was just considering I actually chose to like to make a decision on the best business decision based on only making a relationship-based decision. So that's how I end up reopening my recruitment. And honestly, uh, out of all the schools that I had high, uh, Auburn was just a visit that I was just planning to take at first. <laughs> but uh, coming here, uh, meeting the coaches, and uh, seeing, seeing the way that that everything is like a lot of close games that they had was on the line. A lot of the guys that came back, uh, the opportunity to come in and compete. Uh, I was big on that. You know, uh, this was, it kind of felt like, like I felt whenever I uh, went to Memphis and I had my sit down with coach Norvell. So I kind of was like, man, like, Hey, this wasn't the plan, but. I mean, you 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 choose an SEC school like nobody's gonna fault you there, but obviously, man, like you chose Auburn, and from all accounts, everything that I hear, everything that I read, so I, I've been following you now. The Auburn fan base seems to be jacked up. Um, you know, I got a clip from from the uh, Locked On Auburn podcast where Justin Ferguson he explains why Auburn is now better defensively with you. Give it a listen. It's just a defensive lineman that you need, that you can move around, that you can plug in, that it's experienced. It's just like, yeah, you don't want to get into a situation where um, you're breaking in people completely new on the defensive front or you feel a little iffy if somebody goes down. So, I mean, he, he's talking about the presence that you bring as a veteran. You've had experience. You've played on high-caliber teams, winning teams, good teams, and now you can fit all roles no matter what coaches need from you. You started a lot of games. You got a lot of playing time. You're you're you got experience, man. Like it seems like this it's a really good fit for you and the Auburn Tigers. Um, no doubt. Uh, I feel like uh, in the American, I've showed that uh, I've showed that I could you know be one of the most competitive guys on the field, and I showed the impact that I'm making the game, you know. And uh, just I just feel like uh, bringing that type of presence to uh to the SEC, like, uh, it's no more doubting. It's, it's no more questions, you know, to answer around Morris Joseph. Well, see, Daniel's been following, like, stuff like that. I've been following you on Instagram in these weight room videos, right? Like, y'all are, like, getting at it. Like, I don't even know what to say because y'all are intense, but y'all are also having fun. Like, man, talk to me about, like, especially because we obviously know the facility differences, you know, um, when you go to an SEC school. But talk to me about, like, the weight training program and everything in Auburn you've been doing in this offseason. Uh, um, the weight training program has been a big plus for me here. Uh, um, the coaches do a good job at uh, really focusing on the things that you specifically need to uh, reach your max potential. So uh, it's not like uh, based on the overall group as it's, it's more based individually and for a specific uh, position group. So uh, that's actually a big thing, you know, a big plus. Yeah, and, and the thing about it is, like I said, I seen that video the other day when y'all went live. I mean, y'all may – like, you can tell the intensity. You can see the sweat. But, like, 
you could see the brotherhood, right? Like how much fun y'all were having too. No doubt. Yeah. So you get there, man. I got to ask, you know, you was talking about when talking about playing Mississippi State, but obviously they came to y'all. You know, when you step out into Jordan Hare that first time and you realize that you're going to be playing for Auburn and you're going to the SEC, man, like what's the emotions like when you step out there? Um, Honestly, it's the same as uh, when I step on the field. Like, um, we, I want to go out there with my brothers and let's get the win. And um, I know by me doing what I do, uh, that that gives us a good chance, you know. Yeah, no doubt. So, you know, Daniel played the clip, talked about how you got acclimated. I said I saw the video clips, you know, like um, have, have they welcomed you in as a, as a guy who, you know, is older, like are you already looked up to? Do you know, do you seamlessly fit in? And uh, how, how is the the camaraderie and the brotherhood since you've gotten there? Um, No doubt. Uh, especially coming here, like uh, the D-line group, uh, they was already pretty tight, um, pretty tight group. So uh, coming here, you know, I really just put my head down and work. That's that's the only thing I believe in doing, uh, especially when you go somewhere, you know. You slowly build up. Uh, people follow you whenever they uh, see that they can follow you, you know. People follow you after you show them a reason to follow you. So uh, I knew to come here and just work, you know. I didn't want to come here and talk because uh, I've been the guy on the other end whenever you got all these guys come in and uh, they just expect to – naturally be a leader or something. I just feel like uh, you have to come and show why you belong first, you know? Yeah, no doubt. Uh, I mean, hey, you, you ain't going through no rookie hazing, but also to your point, man, I mean, you, you come into a new team, you got to show them that you're bringing it. So who was, who would you say is like your, been, been your number one guy since you got there? Like, I, there's got to be somebody. There's always that person that you, that you go to, whether it's in, it's in the weight room or your friend outside. Oh, man, honestly, I've been with like a couple guys, uh, especially uh, Craig McDonald. Uh, me and him, we came on our official together. So me and him basically do almost everything together. <laughs> yeah, no doubt. So we asked Seth Hennigan to give us who to look for on offense this year with Memphis. We're going to give you the same thing on Auburn on defense. Other than Morris Joseph Jr., who's the guy that we need to watch for? Maybe that, that not everybody's talking about this, that's going to reap havoc. And honestly, man, that's a hard one. Just just watching the way that everybody's working here um, is actually a beautiful sight to see. So many guys are uh, so many guys out there putting that extra work in. Uh, I just hope that it's a defense with a lot of guys that emerged this year. I honestly couldn't just point out one. Look, he he went with that way, Daniel, because he wanted to say himself. Still, he wanted to be like me watching. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> there there there's something to be said about a, a guy who wants to go out there and improve why they're why they are there prove why they chose him prove why he's going out there to dominate no that, doubt that's that's what i'm looking for so you no say, doubt. so you say you treat all games the same but man i'm gonna put you to it morris i don't i don't believe that there's got to be a game and it may be the easy answer in in bama because you're playing for Auburn, but you know, you also have you're new to the Auburn culture, so that may not be it. What game are you looking forward to the most? Don't say all of them. I want one. September 3rd, Mercer, game one. <laughs> and then and then and then the next week it'll be 
game. Uh, Daniel, see, you helped him. I want him to pick and get – there's got to be something that he's looking forward to, whether it's because they're going there or because they're hosting them a night game. And like I said, it could be Bama because the rival. I know there's got to be a game you're looking forward to. At least at least give me one more. I'm honestly um, – we can't look over anyone, so I am excited about all of the games. But uh, I'm honestly looking forward to week three. Penn State coming here. See, I got an answer, Daniel. And you know what? He's got something for Penn State because there's some history no there. Daniel no knows all about that. He was there. I mean, no these these dudes, I mean, Auburn don't play away from Auburn. One, two, three, four, five, 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 five games. They get to chill out of the house. But game, week six, week six is going to be some something good. Y'all be ready for that, right? Man, we're going to be ready each week. There you go. All right, well, I got to ask one favor before uh, I let Daniel play this game with you. October 1st, you play LSU. We don't even know who the starting quarterback's going to be yet. You know, that's my squad. Um, man, don't kill the quarterback, whoever it is, Morris. I mean, politely set him down when you get back there. Um, don't make our season any rougher than it's probably going to be because um, my expectations are not high. So, you know, don't make my, my pity party any worse than it's already going to be. Can you do that for me? You see, I didn't answer that one. I just smiled. So, uh, yeah. I, I, I'll answer it for you, Morris. No. The answer is no. He's going <laughs> to tackle somebody within the confines of the rules, and then whatever happens after that happens. But, hey, you know what, Daniel? Typically, outside of Joe Burrow, when it comes to quarterback play at LSU, I get very frustrated with a lot of guys. I may be sending him a message at, at a certain point begging him to take – a. You know, <laughs> you know what? I'm about done with this joker. Morris, I'm going to need you to take him out so we can move on to the next guy. That might, that might be the truth. That's week five, man. So you, you might be ready for a change by then. Oh, uh, yeah. He might have a little beef by then. Yeah. Auburn's definitely got a lot more to look forward to the LSU. I, you know, you got to be careful what you say, Morris. I told Daniel after LSU won the national championship, I, I literally said verbatim, you can ask him. I said, man, this year was so much fun. I'll settle for five years of mediocrity. Well, boy, did, did I really ask for it because the last two have been, and it don't look like it's getting any better right now. I'm not trying to sound like a bad fan, but uh, I mean, they just had the SEC media predictions, and they do got us picked second to last. So it's not like I'm being unrealistic here. Oh, yeah, man. But you know how the media prediction goes. So oh, yeah, I hope I hope they're wrong. But, you know, uh, I just I, – I ain't feeling too good. But we'll, we'll say, hey, you know what? If, if I think low and then exceed expectations, it's better than thinking we're going to win national championship and then lose the six games. So I'll go that way. But, man – uh, I do wish you the best, all jokes aside, uh, even even against LSU uh, and anybody else. And, you know, man, I know you are a team guy, but, man, make sure you get them them stats because I know you're going to be on the uh, pro uh, draft boards when it's all said and done. Uh, no doubt, man. I'm definitely here on a business trip. And I just can't wait to uh, win a lot of games while we edit, you know. Right. It's always good to be successful on business trips, man. So enjoy that season. But. Keep your eyes on the prize, you know. Yes, sir. All right, Morris, man. You know how we do before we let our guests run. We're going to play this or that. Quick little game. Have a little fun before we let you bounce, man. Um, All right, dude, let's do it. Obviously, you get, you get two options. All you got to do is pick one option or the other. Can't say both. Can't say neither. So Both. No. <laughs> hey, hey we, we're going to call you out now. All right. First question. 
Which which heat is worse to practice in, the Memphis heat or the Auburn heat? <laughs> um, Memphis heat. I'm telling you, man, it's some some sticky, yeah. some some bad down yeah, there. You, I haven't you, practiced you, in the Auburn heat yet. Oh, but, but you, you know, Daniel, you was talking about it, talking about when you were talking about Memphis fan base. You said you had to be here to know. Man, you know, I've lived all around the country. It ain't never been hotter than it has been here, whether it was when I was growing up or it is now. It's, it's special here. I mean, so I'll tell you this, and, and you're right. In Memphis summers, people don't believe me down here in Florida, Morris, but Memphis summers were way worse than they are in Florida. But every year, like, it feels the same in Florida, but every year everybody's like, this is the hottest it's ever been. This is the hottest it's ever been. Me- meanwhile, Morris is in the indoor practice facility every day. <laughs> now, hey, man, we actually go outside and get it in, too. <laughs> hey, I got you. David, David, you know what the best summer was football-wise for me? Junior year when I had summer school, so I had to miss the first two days of two-a-days while y'all was out there dying. Yeah, oh, we, man, you we got off two-a-days be real. Oh, I paid for it because what happened was, Morris, I showed up day three. I'm a DB. I show up. I'm laying folks out that are tired, so – Daniel, I got thrown in Coach Tippett's linebacker drill because they said I'm not a I'm not a DB, I'm a linebacker. Well, I don't think I got to tell you, Floyd, Meeks, Irvin, guys who went college even to the NFL. Boy, Morris, it took about 30 minutes before they sent me back and said, "Don't ever bring him back to my drill." Again. <laughs> Coach Tippett was like, "Cross, what are you doing? Get out of here! Get get out of here!" But I I did come in there with them fresh legs, so I was able to deceive him for a little bit. Hey, them fresh legs be crazy. Mm-hmm. All right, Morris, would you rather have no company or bad company? No company. That's right. Would you rather go to a concert or a sporting event? A sporting event. What's the bucket list sporting event for you that you got to go to? Um, man, it's crazy. I love sports. I don't know which one it is the most. Um. I think I want. I think it would have to be an NBA Finals game. It's three in a row. Everybody, it's three in a row. That's even right. what Henny said. Yeah. Would you rather be in intense pain for an hour, or dull pain for an entire day? Intense pain for an hour. Give me that all day. Give me that for an hour, and I'll be done. I'll be good. I don't no, want no. that pain. That dull pain is just annoying. Are you a, a roller coaster guy or a water slide guy? Oh, water slide. Yes, sir. So, I don't know if you know about this joker at Kentucky. The quarterback of Kentucky, he has a lot of these dumb, crazy challenges, like eating a banana with the peel on. And here recently, you know, Jim has found his new calling is to answer every dumb challenge that's out there. So, this original, this, this, you know, the newest challenge that has popped up is, you take some mayonnaise and you squirt it into your coffee and you stir it around and you drink it like it's good. We all know it's not good, but I have to ask you, what do you think is more disgusting? Eating a banana with its peel on or drinking coffee with mayonnaise? Drinking coffee with mayonnaise. No, thank doubt. you. Thank they were, you. They were both good. I, hey, I don't care nothing about Kentucky football, but Will Levis is an artist, Daniel. No, he's not. <laughs> He's an idiot. And so and so are you for doing that. All right. Last question, Morse. Would you rather have massive 
massive success by accident or just modest success on purpose? Oh, man, that's that's actually a crazy question and kind of deep. Uh, um, I don't know. I, I honestly, I would rather have modest success uh, after I put the work in. I just feel like whenever you put in work for something, you appreciate it and value it more. So it means more to you. I love that answer, man. You're absolutely right. Um, I don't want to, I don't know about you. I don't want to luck into anything, even though sometimes you do luck into stuff, but I think it's always like, it gives you a more better feeling of accomplishment when you work for it and you put a plan together and you execute and you, you reap the rewards of that. Yeah. I mean, cause if you look up, you're like a one hit wonder, you know, you might never find success again, but, uh, just having a little bit of success, it just shows you that, um, that you can do it again. So. Absolutely. Well, Morris, dude, man, anything you want to plug or promote before you get out of here? Man, I'm all good, man. Thank y'all for having me. Well, I had a feeling you were going to say you was all good. So you know what? I, I have to do it for you. If you want to know more about the man, Morris Joseph, go on to Instagram, type in at Morris Joseph Jr. dot one zero, and you'll see him decked out in all his Auburn Tiger gear. If you want to see what he's doing on the field, go on over to that search bar on Instagram, type in at Auburn football, and you'll get the details. You'll get the stats. You'll get the highlights, not just Morse, but the whole Auburn Tiger team, man. You got 39 days from now, ESPN plus SEC network at 6 PM. Mercer is coming to Jordan Hare in Auburn, Alabama to meet its maker, man, dude, Morris, we wish you the very best this season. Good luck to you. Good luck to the Auburn family, man. If there's anything we can do for you, please reach out to us and let us know. All right, man. Thanks for having me again. All right. That's Morris Joseph Jr., everybody. We're going to take a break. We're going to plug our sponsors. When we come back, Jim and I are going to talk some headlines. Are you looking to buy or sell a home? Q is your guy. Quintavious Burdett, who was once a guest of In Off the Bench, and Ole Miss alumni who is with REMAX is the guy who will help you get your home. He is the guy who just helped me get my home. I just closed on my house a few weeks ago in the South Haven area, and Quintavious is the one who set the whole thing up. He is the man. He is one of the top, if not the top, realtor in the Mid-South area. You can get a hold of him at 662-292-7136 for all your real estate needs. Have you struggled with weight loss, pain management? Maybe you just lack in energy? I struggled with all these things. And then I got introduced to Truvy, an official sponsor of In Off The Bench. If you download the Truvy app, T-R-U-V-Y, and use the official In Off The Bench code, Easy Money, you can save money and get hooked up today and get your life turned around. Welcome back to the In Off The Bench podcast, Jim. We're going to throw some headlines out there for everybody, man. We're going to start with the Major League Baseball All-Star Game. Outside of the uniforms, man, it was the AL taking it again. Uh, you know, Stanton hits a two-run two homer, put the, the AL on top, you know, for the remainder of the game. Um, is the win or the loss for American League or National League, is it, is it a big deal? Yeah, I mean, because it's it's home field advantage. Um, I think when we talked about the rosters, you got to be disappointed that 
the National League um, didn't do more. And you got to credit the American League pitching because, um, you know, the the National League scored a couple runs early and then were shut down the rest of the game. So, um, but yeah, it does matter. I mean, I, you want to play at home, don't you? Of course. Um, I mean, I'm sure if you look at the the percentage of those games played, um, obviously, I'm sure that, or at least in the World Series, I'm sure that that game matters to well, that look home at, field advantage. Look at the two best records right now would be L.A. and New York, and you're talking about you're making the other team come across the country. You know, we always talk about travel and everything. You'd have to make them come across the country to your house. Yeah, I mean, it's, uh, it's a big deal. Um, you know, obviously, it's supposed to be in fun, but I like them having some type of, like, there needs to be some, some meat to this win or loss. I think it, it, it's, it's important to the game. Um, if not, then it just becomes a showcase of, of you know, it's like um, yearbook contests. You know, what do you, you know, you vote on the, the most athletic or the most likely to succeed. It's just like a popularity thing at that point. Who, you know, who really you know, cares to see that? Our, our Cardinal did his job, Daniel. It, it isn't his fault. And, uh, I mean, maybe they shouldn't pinch hit for him, you know? That's all I'm thinking. I, I totally agree. I, I mean, I, I don't know what, what, what was – I guess they didn't see the first at bat. I mean, <laughs> apparently. Um, uh, but, man, outside of the uniforms, man, it was, it was a fun game. I wish that they could mic up people all the time. Okay, so I'm glad you brought that up. I didn't know if we were going to go there. You are a former pitcher, so you have more perspective on this. Um, they talked about that on the radio, and, and it was Memphis Radio, and those guys traditionally don't talk a lot of baseball, and they're not big fans of baseball. They, and so it's important what they said. They said they would watch more baseball if the pitcher was mic'd up. So I find that to be valuable information because that's non-baseball guys saying that, and we're always talking about growing the game. But the one guy on the show who does watch baseball said there's no way pitchers would ever agree to that. So I got to ask you as a pitcher, if that was something they wanted to do to grow the game, would you – be all for it, or is there no way you want to be mic'd up during a game? As long as it didn't impair my ability to to do my job, then I would I would be mic'd up. The only clause that I would have is that Major League Baseball should mic up these guys and charge a subscription on MLB.com, <laughs> and it and and it be unedited unfiltered and you get to hear exactly oh man like i was i, I, I would i would pay my 5.99 9.99 a month like i do for all these other dumb streaming services just for that the, nah. the reason i would want it based upon what you just said when you said unfiltered is the guys who are mouthing in their glove and you know the curse words are coming out like crazy i need to i need to hear what they're saying into that glove and even if it's not curse words, even if they're having a conversation that's wild with themselves, I need to hear that too. Yeah. I mean, if you, you could opt out of it or you could opt in and there would be no penalty for what you said. I mean, I think about, it, I just, you know, I told you I was at the tattoo shop 
uh, with Brady Tiger before I came here. And obviously we're talking about a college uh, pitcher, but he'll, he'll be in the MLB soon enough. If you've ever watched him pitch, he talks to himself out there on the mound. Chad Dallas, a, a, a previous guest of ours who go over, he loves to talk to himself on the mound. Look, guys like that would be great because they're out there having a conversation with themselves and it's not with themselves anymore. It's with you're listening. You're part of it. Yeah. And that's, uh, and maybe that's what's scary to these, these, these wackos that talk to themselves <laughs> is that now that not now it's, it's more than just they're talking to themselves. Now everybody can hear them talk to themselves. But let, let me ask you, is it because like I said, once again, you've been there before I have it. Are they wackos? Because, like, I've asked Brady what he's doing, and he he literally says he's hyping himself up for the guy he's going against. Is I mean, in the spirit of any sport, baseball, football, basketball, otherwise, is I mean, you're not a wacko if you hype yourself up to no. perform better. I would say it's it's a little bit of that, but I think it's mostly like it's exactly what we talked about off air when we were talking about playing poker. It's in the hand, you're going through each player's moves prior to what you're going to do. But you're also thinking, you know, long term, if I do this now and this guy does this and that guy does this, then I'm going to do this. Like, like Same. there would be nothing better to what you're saying, like, you know, percentage wise or based of, or, or based upon, you know, how he hits off speed, whatever they say out loud, you know. Or just maybe they say with confidence, he can't hit my slider and I'm fixing to throw it. Like, and then he throws it and swing and miss. God, that would be entertaining. Yeah, I just think it would be fun to get the reaction of the catcher in regards to like the pitcher, like the real true feelings of the catcher in regards to the pitcher and how they're doing. How much would you or pay to get a person. catcher mic'd up? I mean, think about listening to Yachty all game. Oh, I think I think it would be so easy to. I think it micing up a catcher would be the easiest position to, to mic. But they've been doing it in games, obviously not for pitcher. Um, I watched Sunday night baseball a couple of weeks. Apparently, yeah. it's 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 every Sunday night baseball game. I haven't watched enough. Um, um, obviously it's new this year, but they had Kyle Schwarber in the game that I watched, and they said they're in t- and he talked in real time while playing. Even like when he had to go field a ball, he. Hey, you literally says, oh, I got to move. Anyway, he takes off running. And he was like, easy. He, I think he's, he's easy. He didn't say easy money, but easy something. I don't know, whatever. And then just caught it routine and then came in and said, it's a pleasure talking to you boys. Cause it was only why, interestingly enough, it's only why he's in play, not when he comes off. Um, yeah. But it was entertaining. And I remember that, you remember that game uh, last year with Freddie Freeman that was just pure entertainment. I don't even think that was Sunday night football. I think that was just something special has done. But just hearing him talk to guys as they were on first all day, like, it was fun. Yeah, I mean, or if anything, you can mic up guys in the bullpen. What are they doing out there the whole game? Yeah. I mean, Somebody I was – Somebody who gives you perspective uh, in the game. Yeah. I mean, I, I think that, that would be pretty fun. Um, but, yeah, I think that would give baseball a level of entertainment and draw a level – or a group of people that does that may not necessarily watch baseball not only would it garner more attention to the sport you know to tune in but i think it would hold people's attention a little bit longer so you know if you're somebody who is a casual watcher you're throwing it on um you know while you're cooking dinner or 
you know, or cleaning the house, you might be apt to keep it on longer when you're not doing those things. So. Yeah, I mean, they need to, whether you're talking about college or pro, you need to do everything you can to grow the game. Um, you know, we didn't talk about it, and I don't want, I don't want to go deep into it, but, I, you know, college did a real disservice by taking away on-field props. And Tennessee was not even close to the only team that did it. I love Virginia Tech's sledgehammer. Um, dude, don't ever do things that are taken away from the game growing. But, and, it, uh, but what is considered on the field? Like, to me, on the field is – So, like, they can't bring between the, the line. They can't bring the fur coat or the daddy hat out of the dugout, for instance, for Tennessee. Um, that's why I said – I like, a lot of people said that was aimed at Tennessee, but I don't, I don't think it necessarily was because their prop – while they're bringing out the dugout, it's not nearly the same as like I just brought up with the Virginia Tech with the sledgehammer. But there's a lot of people that brought out all sorts of different things, chains, whatever. Um, but it's taking away fun. And you're talking about a game that they're trying to get more and more fans into. No different than we're – and I brought it up only because same with MLB or college. You know, Randy, if he's here, would drop the ratings for us. And, you know, they're just low for both. And you need to do whatever you can because it's such an amazing game. And I think people are missing out because, like you said, it can be slow. It can be boring. If you can do things like bringing props on the field or miking up players to get them more intrigued throughout, then, I mean, it would be a whole game-changing experience. Yeah, I, I think you're right. I think it's a experience, a different type of experience. And just think, man, like, you know how you go to um, – you can go to the races and you can get the headphones and you can listen to the pits. Yeah. Like what if you could do the same thing, but you could like select what mic'd up player that you wanted to listen to at whatever inning. Oh, that'd be awesome. Or like, you know, you tune into MLB network and you have the op option of choosing, you know, whatever game. And then from that game, you can choose the bullpen. You can choose, the home team's dugout, the away team's dugout, or specific guys that are mic'd up for those games. I'll, I'll end in this conversation with a question, Daniel. If you could hear just on the fly, I know I'm not asking you a deep thought, but just right off the top of your head, if you can listen to one guy mic'd up, pitcher or position player, don't matter, in pro baseball, who is it? Oh, man. Um, I think – you got to go – I think you you hit a good one. Like, if you want the game, I think a guy like, you know, Wainwright or Molina, a guy that's been out there for a while, that's, you know, a, a veteran to the sport that knows the game, knows how to do it, um, I think that would be fun. I think a, a guy like Guerrero, I think a guy like, um, you know, I mean, give it to any – any Padres player. Any I feel, those, I feel like young guys, the, I mean, believe it or not, the Astros. Um, I feel like, cause when I was talking about Freeman, I'd have to run down, you know, the list and find out who the best one, obviously, uh, you know, Goldsmith being ours, but like, because when guys are standing on first, there's that conversation that takes place. I feel like all first basemen would be fun. Um, just cause we were talking about the pitchers and the catchers. That's clearly, obviously Yachty, I, I believe – I'm a firm believer without having any knowledge that Yachty, when gets frustrated, starts speaking um, Spanish behind the plate, and uh, I'm all for it. I won't even know what he's saying, and I'll be highly entertained. Oh, I'm, I'm sure he does. Um, you know, I, I think you're right. I think catcher, somebody who sees a lot of action is what you want. First base, catcher, pitcher. 
Um, oh, did you but, see that clip from the Braves game? Speaking of a catcher's reaction, did you see that clip from Braves game on that third called strike that was, um, I don't know, eight inches off the plate? No, I did not. It made the rounds on social media because it was arguably the worst called strike that I've seen a actual clip of. It rung him up strike three, and the reaction of the catcher couldn't believe he got it, and then the batter losing his mind is – is, is epic. Um, I forgot who the Braves were playing uh, now. Um, it was either the Phillies or Nationals, but you need to see that clip. Daniel, man, I don't know if the ump wasn't watching. Did, it, did it, he may have something in his eye? Like, you know, did he, fall, did he fall asleep for a second? I don't know. But this joker was eight inches off the plate outside, and that boy rung him up. I mean, it, it, it's hard to be an umpire. <laughs> no, eight, not on not eight, on that one. Eight eight inches is a lot. That's like three balls off the plate. But I mean, uh, you know, it is. I've never been an umpire, but I think I, I think I could call balls and strikes. I think. I think you could. I mean, I, especially being a, a a pitcher, and then on top of that, just how my zones would be big. My my zones would be be real big. I've always liked. I know we're getting off on a, a on a tangent. I've always liked the umps that give that that outside corner just a just a little bit on each side. Widen up that strike zone a little bit. Yeah, I mean, I if I I'll tell you this when I was when I was pitching, if I was getting two balls off the plate, I'm gonna see if I can get three. <laughs> and if I'm getting three balls off the plate, you're not gonna hit me. You're just well, not. And that and that's why I appreciate when you have a good commentator when you're watching a game and they're giving good analysis and they'll talk about that. They'll say, you know, they'll be given a, a, a ball outside that they don't think's really a strike. And they say if they're gonna give him that pitch, he's gonna go right back to it. And sure enough, you'll see the pitcher go right back to it, see if he's gonna get it again. And if he and if he gets it again, that you know, immediate analysis, he's gonna go after that thing all night. Yeah, I mean that's part of early game strategies. You know, you you want to see what your fastball is going to allow you to do. How many balls off the plate are you going to be able to work with? What are the confines of the strike zone for the night? And can you get more? You know. So with that, man, let's let's transition into some to standings. All right, you you put in the notes bold predictions so i don't know if that means like like out of this world predictions or like well you know what could it, happen I, i'm not picking i'm not saying let's pick who's gonna win or be at the top of the division next week with the second half starting i want division winners that's that's what i mean by bold i want you to we're gonna stamp it in firm we don't gotta do wild card yet it's a little early yeah. But let's right. go was and I mean obviously when you look at like the East maybe it's not so bold but you know the other ones aren't aren't so much like that. Well, I'll tell you this. For me, you want to start American League? Yeah. I'm Yankees. They're twelve and a half up. They're run. Their their run differential right now is two hundred plus two hundred. Um, which is amazing that they're only playing 500 ball right now, five and five of the last 10, but I got the Yankees in the East. So if it's, since it's not interesting with the East, I'll ask you this question. If there was some miracle to be jumped, to be made, is it Toronto or Tampa that makes it? I mean, you know, 
Kevin Kiermeyer, Mike Zanino are are both out for the season for the Rays. So, like those are are big hits. Um, the Rays have proven that they can play without Kiermeyer um, long term. I don't know, but Zanino is a catcher. He's a like he's not the everyday catcher, but he's a veteran presence that you know. Believe it or not, when they made a World Series run uh, two years ago, like he was a, a driving force of that run. So. You know, not having those two guys are going to hurt. So, like, I'm not going to pick the Rays. I, I would pick the Blue Jays to make a, a push, if anything. Yeah, I mean, that that would be mine, too. Um, I think for story purposes, just because Toronto has been so long since um, they've won anything, not even just talking about World Series, but even division, um, that would be interesting. But, obviously, I'm always for the Rays just because uh, you have a rooting interest. So, I'm good with either way. But – that's a hypothetical Yankees aren't facing blow two and a half. I just, I just threw that out there because we had to make it interesting since that division is so boring uh, at the top anyway. Yeah. So I, I think the, the intrigue comes to the central. So let's, let's hold off on the central until last. I think, I think I, I, I don't like to say in the West, it's the Astros, but it's, it's the Astros. None of those other teams, you're, 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 I mean, Angels I, I are, wish are, are not going to come back. Yeah, no, Angels, three and a half games. They're the Angels not. aside, I just wish, like, I mean, Seattle won 14 in a row. They're still the, you know, then they go lose three. And the way Houston's playing, like, even after winning 14 in a row, you can't afford to lose three because you see Houston's won five. Like, I would just love for someone other than Houston. It's God, man. Like, it sucks. We we dislike them so much, and they just won't lose. I mean, they're good. Uh, and they got Drew Gilbert now. Look, I listen. I listened to Mike on the Mike podcast today, and he brought that that subject up with Liam Spence, a two time guest, and talked about Gilbert going to a, a place where um, they're hated, and he's coming from a team that's hated, and how he will embrace that. And if uh, Drew Gilbert does find a way to work his way up, Daniel, he will fit right in with that team. Yeah, of course. I mean, that that guy was built for the Astros. Um, looking at the Central, this is where it gets it gets a little muddy. Uh, the Twins are currently up three games on the Guardians and four games on the White Sox, 13 and a half on the Tigers and the Royals. So you asked me bold predictions. I'm going to give you somewhat of a bold prediction, but I, I think it, it really makes sense. I mean, I'm going to go back to the White Sox. I think I think that's my bold prediction because they've been there. They know how to win it. They're one year removed from being one of the best teams in baseball. So it's not far fetched for me to believe that they can make up four games, you know, on the back half of the season, especially when they're playing as well as they are right now. Yeah, so they've won seven of their last ten. Um because that's who I want to win. Obviously, you know, there's some love for the White Sox for me. I'm going to hedge my bet, and I'm going to say Minnesota holds Pat and holds firm and takes the central. And so that way, if I'm wrong, it's more than likely Chicago, and I'm okay with it. Interesting. Got to well, hedge I, it, man. Got to go a different route. I'll ask you this. Of those divisional winners that you picked, who's the most likely to get beat in their first series? Okay, so you think the easy answer would be to say the Twins? No, but the, but the Yankees 
in the last X amount of years have choked away anytime they make it. So I'm not because I'm definitely not saying the Astros. So I mean, I'm gonna say the Yankees will would find a way some way somehow. Yeah, I mean, I think money money for me if i had to bet a winner or a team from the american league to go to the world series i would put money on the astros and that's so that's that's solely on the fact that um mattress that's, that's what they do there's a guy he's been trending on social media mattress mike is what they call him Anyway, he dropped ten million on the Astros to win the World Series on a six to one. So obviously, to win sixty million dollars, do it. They watched, They they actually showed him stack the money up on the counter. It's great, old dude, Daniel. I don't know. Literally had him in his eighties. Mattress Mike. Does he sell mattresses? I'm guessing. That, that's. I mean, that was my guess. Like, was he the mattress king? Where did he get ten million? But all I know is that old dude threw money up there that we will never have. I think Mike on the mic has a a, a rival, mattress <laughs> Mike. Mat- mattress Mike versus my. I'm taking mattress Mike, man. Mike. That uh-huh. dude's got enough money to pay somebody to take out Mike on the mic. Nah, maybe, maybe. All right, National League, man. Um, you know, the National League is more fun than the American League. I'll say that. I mean, as far as where people stand, when you look at the East, it's the other New York team, two games up on the Braves, nine games up on the Phillies, and then, you know, kind of crushing is, the other. Is the Mets Braves the most intriguing down the rest of the whole second half of the baseball season. Is that the most intriguing division race between two teams? I mean, I think I, even though the Brewers and the Cardinals are two and a half apart, when you look at the talent on the two teams and the way that they're playing, is it not easy to say that that's the most intriguing storyline going down the rest of the way? Yeah, I think it's um, can the Braves, you know, figure out how to put themselves back into contention. And are the Mets going to squander this away <laughs> like they like to do? That, that's the thing. You got you got the defending World Series champ, and then you got a team that's notorious for squandering away. So, like your easy thought process is to pick the Braves, but you know we thought the Mets would have fallen off by now. We said it multiple times, and they haven't. So you know, and they they took that series from the Braves, as a matter of fact. So. You got to tip your cap at this point, but can can they do it the entire season? I don't know. And the Braves, um, you know, minus that Mets series have, have taken care of business. Um, that's the only reason the Mets are still above them. Uh, I just I like what the Braves got top to bottom. Uh, it's not even just the Austin Riley thing. I mean, they got they got talent. Um, when you talk about Swanson, Ozuna, Acuna, like I mean, uh, Olsen, it's it's unreal. But um, I'll say this because we always talk about wild card, you know, what's the worst wild card draw, you know, whoever the loser of that pennant race is, is that's somebody's getting a trash draw. That's for sure. Oh yeah. You don't, you're either going to play one, you're either going to play the Mets and the staff that they got, or you're going to play the defending world series champ. Good luck. Good luck. We better not say anything because that could easily be the Cardinals falling. <laughs> uh-huh. But 
for the East, who are you taking? Mets or Braves? I'm going to go Braves. I knew you were going to say that, and so that's why I'm going to go Mets. Going to go Mets. Um, don't like to, but um, you know, if I'm going to pick Yankees, I guess it's fair that I pick the Mets. So in the Central, obviously, we'll come back to the Central. That one, that's where our vested interest is because of the Cardinals. But the West, Dodgers are just 12 games up on the Padres, 16 and a half on the Giants. And I mean, I think it's it's the games. same thing as the American League East, except the, the Padres and the Giants, even though the Padres are 10 games or 500, they don't excite me like the Rays or the Blue Jays do. So, like – I like when I like when I was given a hypothetical, I don't neither of those hypothetically, even to me, are gonna make a run. Like I feel like I feel like those other two could, like, and especially because we talked about Tampa has done it. Like I just I don't see it. I think the Dodgers are gonna increase this league. They might get ridiculous. Yeah, I mean, you you're gonna see they might push the wins record this season. I mean, especially if they're winning nine of ten. Um at a clip and that's that's why it's it's going to be hard for the Padres and the Giants to even sniff those guys because you know for that to happen the Padres and the Giants are going to have to go they're going to have to run off some eight and two nine and one even some ten and oh like you know ten game sets in order to give themselves a chance and with even if they do all that the Dodgers are going to have to go five and five you know I just I don't I don't see it happening no. Um, so I, I think hey, let me Dodgers ask you a question in regards to the Dodgers uh, and the Yankees lead. Uh, I wanted to wait till after you uh, brought up the Dodgers to ask. When you get towards the end of the season, um, like, do you give pitchers just a full rest off, or do they just you pitch them a couple innings just so they can stay in a habit and but you're not tiring the arm out? What's your approach? Um, you give them, you give them full rest. You start allowing them to shorten starts or you just have them, you know, skip starts and do bullpen sessions or, you know, there's, there's a lot of different strategies you can use, but, you know, does this throwing Clayton Kershaw out there a game at the very end of the season against the Rockies where it doesn't matter. Does, does that, is that the game where you go, you know, if, if he, if he doesn't pitch, is that the game where you go, Oh, Kershaw, they're, they're not going to let him pitch tonight. They're going to rest them. So I just didn't know he's if not, he's a, not going to be ready for the playoffs. I just Come didn't on. know if you keep a rhythm by like at least he does his normal routine that he does before a game. He throws goes out there and throws a couple innings, and then you just pull him. No, I don't even think it's worth it at that point. I think if you're gonna if you're gonna put him out there, let him let him go. Gotcha. Five well, that's why I said because you're, you're the expert on this. Uh, Keep him on a pitch one. count. Make sure you control the number of pitches that he's throwing. Make sure you're looking at the intensity at which he's throwing. But I mean. I don't first like what's the point of going two innings. Gotcha. You know? Um so brings us to the central, man. Uh the brew 
Brew Crew up two and a half on our cards, up 13 on the Pirates, 14 and a half, 15 and a half on the Cubs and the Reds. Sorry, Mike. Cubs are struggling, dude. <laughs> but Cardinals, Brewers, who's it going to be? I'm going to be a homer, dude. I'm saying the Cardinals. And before you, before you dive into that, I just want to tell you, man, Friday night, dude, I get to see, without going to St. Louis, I get to see Yachty, DeYoung, and Bader in Memphis. Lock it up. Wow, look at them getting their rehab stint. And you know what? Those those AAA dudes in Memphis are going to be eating right. They're going to be loving life. As soon, as, soon as, I saw, as soon as I saw Yachty, they announced it. It was 16 minutes after I bought my ticket, Daniel, because I know. And sure enough, just, just on my Facebook timeline alone with all the friends that live here, obviously, and most of them are Cardinals fans, like, are going. And I was like – I better jump on getting because you know it's only twenty dollars, um, and you can sit right there. I got second row right there over the dugout. Made sure I jumped on those tickets before everybody seen Yachty was going to be there. I just got to keep my wife around uh, away from Bader. That's that's a whole different subject. Well, I mean, you might be sweating him. Who knows? <laughs> I bet it's if her, it's I, turquoise if, glove. I bet if Tyler O'Neill was there, you you'd be sweating, man. Mr. Canada, uh, he did it. He actually did a stint there, and I was out of town. It's, it's pretty tragic, mm. actually. Man, that's a sad. I day. think it was strategic. I think Tyler wanted to make sure he I didn't. Probably knew. Yeah, I heard there's a maniac that lives close that might jump on the field and tackle me. So, can we do it while he's out of town? <laughs> so you you got the Cardinals. I mean, it's it's hard not to pick the Cardinals, especially if they could stay close. Um, you know, going into September. I mean, I, I think that's where we see the Cardinals start playing their best. I don't know why. Um, they got veteran pitching, veteran guys. They got potential NL MVP. Well, like, they're also more than likely going to end up with the guy that I've been bashing, and so I'm going to have to table aside my my feelings because I want to win. And I mean, by all reporting, the Cardinals are going to find a way to make a deal with Soto. Like all wow. legitimate sources are saying that. And if you I mean, add that to the lineup it is what it is. I mean, if he goes there and he hits a few bombs to out the gate, you'll, you'll forget how much they're even paying that dude. Oh, no doubt. I think the problems with St. Louis though, is that that's the interesting part about if you get Soto, it's not their hitting that, is their issue it's it's their pitching that scares me more um so but what's I, what's the best way to cover up that pitching <laughs> score more runs absolutely there you go like that's uh that's the uh the, the cartoony you know circus answer is if we want to win he, right now and we don't have the the guys that are in the developmental system ready to go then we got to figure out a way just to outscore everybody where and make pitching not a factor. Indeed. So, I mean, I, I see that, but I mean, you know, look, looking at that, I mean, I did mention, you know, Goldsmith potential NL MVP and you, you put this in the rundown. So you wanted to talk about it. So who you got in the NL MVP race? All right. So let's pull up, let's go by the numbers. So let's start with our man, Austin Riley. 
Our guy is batting 294 with 28 home runs, 63 RBIs, OPS of 945. The home runs is third, RBIs is ninth, and the OPS is seventh. All right. And so for the Goldsmith and the Cardinals, you got. I glossed over his thing. Losing my mind, dude. Where is Goldsmith on the roster? He does um, He does still play for the Cardinals, right? I mean, good grief. Yeah, he should be, you know, oh, under I'm, the – I'm looking at it. He's not under the infielders. I swear, losing my mind. He should be under the Fs. Dude, I promise. I'm looking at it right now. They have removed Goldsmith from the roster. I don't know. What, what You're seeing doing? what I'm seeing. See, you got it. You're looking at what I <laughs> Dude, what – do we need – is there something we need to know? Is there breaking news? Did our dude get traded? I mean, wouldn't that be something? So you're talking about it? Look, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pull him up from um, baseballreference.com since he's doing that to us, making us look bad on air. Anyway, yeah. our guy – there he is, day to day. So that so they can't even put his numbers up for us. Okay, well oh. it's all right. I went a, I went a different route. So our guy is batting three thirty five with twenty four home runs, seventy seven RBIs, OPS of one point zero three. Which makes me wonder. It, oh, you get you got it in that top corner. Where uh, let's see. What is he in OPS in the in the uh, league? Um, he's second. Second OPS, second in average. To me, both teams are sitting second in their division. To me, I'd have to give it to Goldsmith, right? Like, um, and you can't say. I mean, one's got Olsen, protect him in the lineup. One's got Arnado. Like, nobody's got a favorable situation more than the other, I think. Um, like I said, team success is about the same. So, I think it would be Goldsmith. My question for you then is, is it – are they the two easy front runners, or is there somebody that I'm glossing over that maybe I shouldn't be? Yeah, I think you're glossing over this guy that I'm pulling up for you right here. And I always say that because he, he's been pretty hot. I mean, obviously, you look at Pete Alonso and fifth in home runs, first in RBIs. Those two are key. Um, the average, you know, 274, but, I mean, he's probably going to climb. But he's also the guy that, you know, is one of the most feared in the Mets lineup. Um, you know, not that Goldsmith isn't or Austin Riley isn't. But there are other names on that on both of those teams that you go, all right, I gotta pick my poison here. Well, there's um, a there's another guy that's managed to make the list that when you look at his team success, and it's interesting because he went to a different team and he's just still doing it. Freddie Freeman is batting 325, which is third, um, 15 home runs, 62 RBIs. His OPS is 947, which is sixth in the league. Um, his numbers aren't as good as Goldsmith's, but um if you just want to look at, you know, obviously his team success, um, that's something that helps in his argument. 
Yeah, um, he's definitely up there. Um, you know, could it be? Yeah, I, I think it's a toss-up between all of those guys. I threw in Pete Alonso just as a guy. Like, I don't think he's in that top three with those guys, but he's a guy that I think. You know, well, here, here would be my that question. We're not talking about that we could. Here would be my question for you for Pete Alonzo and Austin Riley versus Goldsmith and Freddie Freeman. We saw this last year. Austin shouldn't have won it, but he, he easily should have finished in the top three. Um, you know, they say name held him out. Well, um, his name should be known by everybody by now. Pete Alonzo, just for the home run derby alone, people better know his name by now. Do their names hold them back anymore against a name like Freddie Freeman or Paul Goldsmith? Uh, yeah. I mean, it's, it's like in the NBA. If you're Kevin Durant or LeBron James and you're not those guys, does, does it hold you back a little bit? Yep. Yeah. I mean, think about who was the MVP of the league last season for NBA. It was Jokic, wasn't it? Right, but like, how long? How long has he been good? For a long while. Right, but how long did it take him to become like that echelon of MVP? Um, uh, five years maybe. Yeah, so I, I think what it takes is they have to stay in that conversation, and they don't necessarily have to win it, but they got to give themselves a chance before people are start gonna believing like them over you know, these, these high, high level names. Well, let me ask you this. I'm not going to make you pick one guy. We're not going too bold, but will it be, uh, I'll give you Goldsmith and Riley or the field. Where are you going? Our guy, either, either our hometown guy or a Cardinal or the field. Uh, I'm taking Riley and Goldsmith. Me too, and and not even just because of what I just said. I I honestly think they have the best two resumes. Yeah, and I I don't foresee them dropping off, and unless you know, God forbid, they get hurt or something. I just don't see them dropping off. And then Austin's gonna get the bag, and he's gonna go buy five hundred acres of hunting land, unlike most ball players when they get the bag, and go yes. buy go buy a mansion somewhere. He's going yeah. to buy hunting land. Where's he? Where's he? What kind of hunting land is he gonna find? Is he gonna have to go to upstate New York to find it? <laughs> no, he's getting it in Atlanta. We'll see. Oh, Daniel, hey. I got breaking news for you on the podcast. We're All talking right. about we're talking about guests in the intro. I've reached out to a few of them. I've got I've gotten an answer. We're gonna have a Savannah banana on, dude. All right, go Savannah Banana. I told Sarah, I said, I need to have a conversation with those guys and ask how that comes to be and what all entails. I know you're the same because, I mean, they play real baseball. It's competitive baseball, but they also do choreographed dancing. How does this – I need to know how it all works. I need the whole system broke down, Daniel. Hey, I'm, I'm down. I can't wait. There's so <laughs> many things that I want to ask the Savannah Bananas. Like, would you? Hey, can I ask you this? Well, like, do you do you enjoy being a banana? Like, let me if, ask if you. This. If you were any other fruit, uh, <laughs> what fruit would you be? This would, would it, Savannah. Would, it, would you would you 
play for the Savannah Bananas and do all the choreographed dancing if it kept you pitching? Of course. I think exactly. And I think as long as they're paying me. And I think that's the niche. I think it's it's high caliber player guys who don't have a shot at the net and it keeps them making money and they do sell out some games. I like, I'm fascinated by the whole thing. All right. I'll, I'll leave it to that episode, but it just came through. I'm stoked about it. So. All right, man. I, um, last thing. And I, I, I saved this for last because I wanted to hit baseball first. That's kind of out of order, but sec media days, you know, we mentioned it with Morris earlier, you know, with LSU and where, where, they're predicted to finish but i'll just ask you man as far as the media days and the predictions east and west are they are they spot on or or are they they missing something i mean i think vanderbilt's gonna win it all <laughs> according to their coach they, they they're they're right there primed ready to do it let me ask you this question was alabama at the top of the west of course was georgia at the top of the east of course then it doesn't really matter after that because they got that right, and that's what it's going to come down to. Um, there's uh, That's not going to be the norm just because it was last year, but I think this year when you look what's coming back, their recruiting classes being at the top, um, I think you're going to, unfortunately, as boring as it is, you're going to get as far as the SEC, the same winners of the West and the East, and nobody's going to challenge them for it. Um, I'm hoping it won't stay that way. Um, you know, you obviously – you see – your typical recruiting rankings in the SEC. You see a lot of SEC teams in the top 10, but at least for this year, Daniel, I, I think it's going to be pretty predictable. I hope I'm wrong. I, let's be clear. I, I hope I'm wrong, but. I don't think you are, my friend. If you if you could pick a team because you are a Memphis guy. See, obviously mine would be LSU. Would you, because this is, this is Morris Joseph's episode. I want you to be honest. Don't lie on his episode. Would you want Auburn to win the West because you don't have a rooting interest in it? Yeah, of course. That would be a cool. That would be a cool storyline, man. Yep. Bring Morris back on to talk about it. Hopefully, he's an integral part of it. Yeah, I'm sure he will be. He's a good player, man. He's uh, he's gonna get after it. But it ain't gonna be LSU, so don't worry about it. <laughs> <laughs> like he he tried to be nice and not th- throw any punches when I brought it up. So what is this? This will be year three removed. So you have this year and two more before they have to win something. So it might be a long, it might be a long season. And if they're not doing it year five, Brian Kelly will, the way LSU is, everybody says, how long has Brian Kelly got no longer than any other LSU coach? You got three years, bro. Three years to get it right or pay the price. (laughs) No, but LSU unfortunately has to pay the price. They've paid a lot of guys to leave. Yeah. Yeah, they have. I, I, there is no better job in the country than getting fired from LSU. That's a great job. I want, I want that job. I know, man. Uh, Fifteen million to walk. You pay me. You pay they me. Pay me half yeah. as much. Exactly. I can lose just as many games if you need me to. All right, day day one. I'm addressing the team. All right, boys. Here's what we're gonna do. I'm gonna do absolutely nothing, and I'm gonna get fired. And what you guys do, I don't really care. It's up to you. I mean, yeah, win, lose. I don't. I don't care. I don't care. I, I, I don't. <laughs> All right, it's ready. Coaching ready. Yeah, ready. Break. I, uh, I, I would. I would take notes from Lane Kiffin. I would just play in the media all day. Yeah, you would try like uh, Mike Leach and have the least amount of words in your opening uh, opening remarks at media day. 
we're, we're gonna we're gonna find out if any of our Mississippi State baseball audience listens to in off the bench when it's not baseball players and if they listen all the way through I'm gonna tell you these baseball guys on Twitter are delusional Daniel because they're obviously Mississippi State football fans well they believe they're going nine and three or ten and two and making a legit run this thing they I mean they they tweet about it nonstop. They are sold, and I'm like, man, you got to worry about just getting through Memphis, bro. That's what I'm saying. Y'all think because we ain't got Morris Joseph Jr. no more, we we ain't gonna win, man. I'm gonna tell. I wish Will Rogers was on here right now. I'm gonna tell him. You that. know what's gonna happen? They go they gonna lose that Memphis game, Daniel, and that nine and three, ten and two. They gonna look. They gonna walk it back, and they're gonna be like, so eight. Eight and five will be good. <laughs> yeah, eight eight and five will be good. Whatever, whatever. All right, man. Last call. Anything? No, nah, man. I didn't get a chance to watch the UFC, so I'm not gonna talk about it. Um, you know, I'm just I'm ready. I'm ready for football, man. We're talking football. Obviously, um, we're always invested in baseball, but it's uh, it's soon. Here, here will be my note for football, Daniel. I sent it to you earlier. Wide receiver rankings for fantasy football by the there's, experts. Jamar only, only one. There's only one. And I, I'm I'm planting my flag for all you fantasy teams that are in all the leagues that I'm in. Don't let Jamar Chase be out there because I'm I'm getting them. First round, first pick. You, uh, that that's that's the spoiler. You you everybody. might even like go like real draft style and like trade up if you have to to get them. Like it was I would wheeling and dealing. I would love to do that, <laughs> you know. But that that's my guy. I'm going. You remember how how Diggs used to be my guy? Yeah. It's now it's now Jamar Chase. He's my guy. Ride or die guy. It's not a bad guy. I'll let you have Chase. And since Jefferson claimed that he by the end of the year will be known as the best receiving league, I'll just settle for the other LSU guy. We'll ride, we'll ride together. That's right. We'll do that. We'll do that. All right, man. Let's uh let's wrap this thing up. Let's get out of here, man. It's uh was another solid episode. I mean, we kicked off the new season. You know, we got some really good guests, dude. I gotta tip my hat to you, dude. It's uh phenomenal. And you know, as, as you mentioned you know in the intro we got a lot more to come a lot more to come i'm excited i'm pumped but you know i want to thank our guest tonight morris joseph jr for joining us and if you like hearing his story or you just like hearing us average joe's talk x's and o's please like and share the podcast on facebook retweet us on twitter listen and subscribe on apple Podcasts, spotify and anchor as always comments ratings and feedback as always welcome we will see everyone next week with episode three. We got New York Met Dylan Ross joining us. This has been the In Off the Bench podcast. As always, remember, strong body, sharp minds, grit and grind all the time. We out.